from the song that we've just sung, recognizing that God is the one who is worthy of all our praise. And if we learn that the only way that we learn about him is from his word. And from his word we learn that God's people at times have not always listened to the thought that God alone is the one that is worthy of praise. And God's people at time have not learned that as he directed through his word, we had a reason for what he was doing. The restricting them as to being his people and choosing those of his people to keep the race going and for them not to intermingle with the people around them for the warning that is given there in Nehemiah 13 in the middle of the chapter there the people intermarried in the land and before you knew it the children were picking up the language of Ashdod they were not faithful to the commitment to God nor in essence were they really faithful to the commitment to the heathen God and we live at a time where that hasn't really changed this language of Ashdod half the language of one half the language of another and it becomes common for us you think about the reason why many of the immigrants of the 1600s and 1700s made the trip across the Atlantic Ocean. In most cases it was for the freedom to worship God but with the tag along with it, as they saw fit. Not necessarily as God had directed, but as they would choose to see how they ought to worship. And that language has come on down. We talk about this being a what type of nation? A Christian nation. It's not language you would find in pages of God's word. We read about individuals becoming Christians. The separating themselves from sin. The confessing Jesus as the Savior. Being buried for the, in baptism for the remission of sins. To be raised that walk that new life. To be called a child of the living God. Or to be called a Christian. But not the nation. And we center a lot of things around this language of our being a Christian nation. And we've accepted that to some degree. 
Some of the great patriotic songs that we sing all have references to that to one degree or another. We accept it or have a tendency, if we're not careful, to accept the language of Ashdod and the terminology that we use. You see it on forums. It's always interesting to, to read a forum and to read why they have changed over the years. Uh, what's your religious preference? There used to be about two or three choices, and now they give you more choices than that or none at all. But they all have to do with the fact that they're classified under a general category of Christian. Maybe Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Assembly of God, or whatever other names are out there. And we lump them all together and we say, that's just a designation, and that's okay. But it's not a language that you find within the pages of God's Word. But making that type of separation, or of accepting it along the way. We live in a land that as we live and interact with the people around us, that tendency seems to pick up. No individuals, and, and many of them at one time were gospel preachers, who down through time have accepted those in denominations as being fellow Christians. We just choose to worship God in a little different way. John reminds us in John 4, 24, that we're to worship in spirit and in truth. Reminds us over in John 17 and 17, sanctify them in truth, thy word is truth. We're to worship God in truth. We're to use the language that God would have us to use and have that understanding of what is involved. You read Matthew 7, 21 through 23. And that's a sobering passage to read as you read it in its context, if you will, and with an understanding of things that were going on. Not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. That's plain enough. But then it goes on to say that many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, haven't we done some marvelous deeds in your name? The fact is of their being able to do marvelous deeds... with that not being acceptable to God. You look at 1 Corinthians 12, and then move into 13, and then into 14. You look in 1 Corinthians 12, and you see the nine spiritual gifts being mentioned there. You go into 13 in the first three verses, really set a tone there. Again, listen to 
I can speak with the tongues of angel and of men, but have not love. It profits me nothing. If I could do all the miracles, had faith to move mountains, but had not love, it profits me nothing. Saying and doing things, so called in the name of God or of Christ, within itself does not mean that it's acceptable unto God. And that's a hard concept that we, as Americans, have to accept because we just had a history from the beginning of our nation. We've had a history that diversity is acceptable. That diversity is acceptable unto God. And there have been times when even those that were in denominations who had become very popular at one time in their ministry would strongly condemn every other religious body and saying that unless you were a member of his particular religious body, you were doomed for hell. And then that same individual years down the road would say, we're all Christians. It really doesn't matter how you serve God. The language of Ashdod. Picking up language that is not conducive or reflective of who God is and what God is asking of us. And it's easy to do. We've talked about it at times before. We talked about going to church. Are we going to church? We are the church. And we use terms that we need to be reflective of, of the nature of God. Terms that are easy to learn. Peter would say, if any man speak, let him speak as it were the oracles of God. First Peter 4 and verse 11. And we find it true, and we know it's true in the physical realm. As you rear your children, and as you were reared, not only did you live in a home where certain lifestyles were expected of you, and certain language was expected of you, and certain language was not expected of you. And if you used language that was not expected, you were asked, where did you hear that? And that has application spiritually as well. When language is used that does not harmonize with the word of God, where did you hear that? And if not corrected, how it does end up corrupting. For those that work in the school districts and are aware of it, the language you hear, even from the young ones on up, is unreal. Any of those words that most of them use today without any forethought? Some of you may remember what soap tastes like. If you got your mouth washed out with soap by using words you should not have used. And we begin to pick up. Whether they're wanting to serve God, they're just going a little different way about it. Basically, they're good people. Where did you hear that? 
where did you read that in the scriptures that basically they're good people you can look at Leviticus 10 verses 1 through 3 basically Nadab and Abihu were good people they were priests they were often sacrificed to God they were offering the right sacrifice just had the wrong fire but basically they were good people and that could be said of God's people down through time could it not but is that the standard for what we do in our life is to base it on our view of what's right and wrong language is learned and that has its problems the only way we learn how to speak is to be taught is to mimic the only way we learn to speak spiritually is to be taught and to mimic. Spiritually, we're taught by God. Spiritually, we've been given His Word. We live in a time far down removed, if you will, from the first century. In the earliest centuries before that, for the Old Testament. And you see that language of Ashdod creeping in. We talk about baptism. And if you look in the dictionary, I don't know what it says nowadays. I haven't looked at a recent one. If you look at an older one, they will say that baptism is done by three different modes. Pouring, sprinkling, or immersion. And since that's the definition of baptism, as people read and you study with them about baptism, they go to their dictionary, they look it up, and it says it's pouring, sprinkling, or immersion, so it really doesn't matter. And it doesn't give you a full understanding of what baptism is. Studied with an individual one time, and we were talking about the need to do things God way, God, the way that God said to do it. And we were discussing baptism. And we were discussing the importance of baptism. And we were discussing that it was necessary for salvation to be right with God. And the individual made the statement, I know that baptism is necessary and it is required by God for salvation. And that's why I was baptized when I was a baby. The language of Ashdod. The mixing up of terms, the mixing up of definitions, the accepting of what is commonly believed, and that's all the dictionary does, is to use terms that are commonly used and how they are being defined commonly. Any up time up and down the line you read about or, read or hear about new words being added to the dictionary based upon their common usage. And a lot of that changes over time. People have heard words over and over again, and they just made the association. You mentioned the word pastor. And in the religious body, it's not going to be an elder. It's not going to be a shepherd of God's people. It's going to be the preacher. Where did you learn that? Where did that come from? That's why we're encouraged again to go back and to... Read what the Bible says. 
Jesus in his temptation with Satan in Matthew 4 and verse 4 says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And that's a reference back to Deuteronomy 8 and verse 3. Now, I've said it many times, if you read verse 3 of Deuteronomy 8, you need to read verse 2. And you need to have that understanding. It was true then, it's true today. God wants to know what is in your heart. There in Deuteronomy, he made the fact that he led them. And again, the language of Ashdod says the people wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. They did not wander. They were led every step of the way by God. Pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. He always led them. Even when they rebelled. But he said he wants to know what is in your heart. Will you love the Lord your God with all your heart or not? Will you take him at his word? Will you take him at his word that he wants us to be the King James said he wants you to be a peculiar people. And all that means is peculiar is what belongs to somebody. He wants you to belong to him. But that means you have to be distinct. And if you are distinct, you're set apart. And if you're distinct from the world, you're set apart from the world. If you're set apart from the world, then you're subject to the mocking and the, the ridicule, the taunting. How can you believe that you're the only ones that are right? doesn't matter what I believe, is what has God said. He's given warnings throughout the scriptures. Have this mind in you, Paul, in Philippians 2 and verse 5, that was in Christ Jesus, who did not think equality with God a thing to be grasped, but was willing to empty himself and to take on the form of his servant, to be obedient, to obedient to the point of death, yea, even death on the cross. That's the mindset. Peter said Jesus left us an example to follow in his steps. And that's a challenging one, really is. In light of what Peter has to say about the scourging, the mocking, and the crucifixion, has a lot to say about the attitude that Jesus had. You see it in his arrest, his trial, the mockings of the trial, the not answering of a word. And then you hear Peter explain it. That Jesus left that example for us to follow in his step. And then it goes on to say that he entrusted his soul to the Father. He trusted God. He did not have to set the record straight. But what he said was true. His word is true. And that's what we to live by. Of how we interact and again that rejection... The world of Jesus' day did not accept him religiously. 
And we live in a world today that does not want to accept us, basically, religiously. Because we do not tolerate, allow, permit those words that are used to describe a follower of the Son of the living God to feel that they can choose to live a life any way they wish to live. That choose to make mockery over those who would follow God. To call the names being legalistic, be the legalist, be unloving, being not tolerant of those who are just human beings wanting to do their own thing. Well, human beings who want to do their own things will do their own things. But it will not be right or accepted in the eyes of God. And we, we are to be followers of God. The words that we speak, again, back to 1 Peter 4 and 11, of any man speak, let him speak as it were, the oracles of God. Speak as God will speak. God is the one that will judge. And God will be righteous in his judgment. The world has its opinions of what they would like to have done or think ought to be done. And the world has in the past and will continue to do such until the Lord returns again will decide to see how far they can push whatever agenda that they're following to see how far it can go. God's people have tried that. They've developed that language of Ashdod. They developed some of the characteristics of that language. And oftentimes had not even seen the wrong in it. And Isaiah had to remind the people one time, in a mocking way, if you will, he said, I'm puzzled by you. He said, I don't understand what you do in this area of religion that you're practicing. You go out into the forest, you cut down a tree, and you cut it in two. One half of the tree you Carve yourself an idol that cannot hear, cannot speak, cannot walk, cannot talk. And you worship that idol. And with the other half of that tree, you cut it up and you use it for firewood to warm yourself by. And he said, I don't know what you're doing. Are you worshiping your firewood or are you burning your God? And this is to people who should have known better. This is to people who had the writings of God. And yet they allowed the world to influence them. It's always been interesting, having been one, having had one, And having seen them, boys, small boys, are interesting. 
Not sure where they learn it because I'm sure by the time we get to be parents, we're telling the kids they should not do that. But boys and water that has rain seem to go together. Puddles. They don't go around puddles. They go through puddles. And I'm promising you, do not go through puddles without getting wet. Or you cannot walk through the mud without getting mud on you. The challenge is there. We are in the world, but we're not to be of the world. We cannot walk and do the things of the world and not get sin on us. Then we have to cleanse ourselves. Again, the challenge is because the scriptures remind us we do not always see that. We do not see that we're walking in the way of the world. We do not see that we're picking up language that is the language of Ashdod. It's not of God. And it's a language that will eat away and will destroy. Be ye holy as I am holy, says the Lord. What a challenge that has been given. Be set apart. We can look at the purity side and we need to. But we're never going to be as pure as God is. But it also has that meaning being set apart. Be ye separate, says the Lord, as he is separate from the world in that sense. Understand you're to be that light. And you're to shine brightly in the world. And that is to remove the impurities that we have in our life as we go through it. And that's the challenge that we have. God's people of old picked up that language of Ashdod and needed to be challenged to come back to the pure language of God's word. Have we picked up language that would be described along that line? Have we picked up characteristics that would be described along that line? And do we need to come back to that first love that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord? That invitation is open for us to make a change in our life, if that be the case, to do the things that God would have us to do. The time is always now. The urgency is always present. And the desire to want to do right ought to burn deep in our hearts. And so as we look at our lives and we need to make a change in our relationship to God through his word and to his family. We're encouraged to do that. And if we could assist, if we could help you in any way in doing that, indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing. <laughs>